Uh, today we're going to talk about resolutions. And, uh, you know, we just celebrated, the world said goodbye to the, to the year 2019, Tuesday night of last week, and we brought in the year 2020. And with that start of the new year, everybody's got hopes and expectations that, that 2019 might have been a terrible year, but 2020 is going to be better. There's no way around it. You know, and what we do is we figure out, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But, you know, and all we're saying is that we are going to try to continue any of the good practices that we've had, or we're going to change an undesired trait or a behavior to accomplish a, you know, any personal goal, whether it's going back to school to get a degree or get a certification or find a different job. Uh, but what a resolution usually does is it improves our life in some way, shape, or form. But according to the Internet, out of all the, in the resolutions that are made on New Year's Eve, only 8% are fulfilled. That's a 92% failure rate. But you know, because of whose we are, God has a 100% success rate on, what he, on the promises and the resolutions that he gave us in his word. And isn't it it's comforting to know that just because of whose I am, I have a whole list of promises in here that all I have to do is dig them out, stand on them, believe them, learn about them, in their mind for the taking. Uh, so how do we know that God has a 100% success rate? Well, in Isaiah 55, 11, I guess we'll be going old school today. Uh, you know, this isn't the computer we normally use, so it, it's a little, it's a little clunky. Uh, but Isaiah fifty-five eleven, and it w this is how we know that God has a hundred percent success rate. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth; it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So now you'll notice in the, the last part of the, that verse, in the thing is in italics. And that was put, the italics were put in to make the scriptures a little clearer by the translators. But uh, what, it what this says without that, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper whereunto I sent it. So if it, you can find something in God's word about our situation, he said he sent it, it will prosper. It has no choice. And in Numbers 23, 19. What it says there is God, God is not a man that he should, <coughs> he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall not do it, or hath he spoken and shall, not, and shall he not make it good? What that verse says is God's not human. Yeah, and I understand, you know, if I talk to James and I said, hey, I'll meet you at, for lunch 
at such and such a time, or I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you. Circumstances could come up in my, in my life to where I'm not going to be able to do it, you know, just because of what happened. It's not that I intentionally lied to James, but, you know, in all reality, I did. This is saying that God is not going to do that. If God says you're healed, you're healed. If he says you're prosperous, you're prosperous. So he said, you know, and also that, you know, he says a lot in the Bible that I'm your protection. Look at what we sang before, the last song, because of whose we are. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God of peace. You know, all we have to do is go through the Bible and find stuff and stand on it. Yeah, if we do find something in the Bible, or when we find something in the Bible and we're standing on it, but it doesn't come to fruition, it's not God. It's us. You know, when my dad was sick a few years ago, you know, the whole family was believing that he would be healed. And unfortunately, his healing didn't manifest the way we thought it would. He, went, he ended up going to heaven. He was in a win-win situation. Either he was going to be healed here on earth, or he was going to heaven where he was healed. You know, and it didn't work out the way we wanted it to, but God knows best. All right. Uh, so how come we don't always see answers to the prayers that we pray? And we're going to James 4.3. Yeah, and sometimes they don't answer because either we stop believing, we never believed in the first place, or we ask amiss. And that just means our, that our asking doesn't line up with God's word. So, but James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Yeah, that's like me saying, hey, God, we've got a, a massive Powerball coming up this week. Give me the winning lottery numbers. You know, and I'll, I'll give you you know, 10% of it, but would I really, you know, and God, if I can't believe God for $100 to put food on the table to pay bills, why is he going to give me multi-millions or billions of dollars? You know, he knows what will happen to it better than I do. Um, you know, and it's just like healing that if, if you don't have the faith to get healed for a hangnail, you know, getting healed for, you know, an incurable disease is going to be a it's going to be a long haul. So Matthew 17, 20, another reason why our prayers don't get answered. Right, Matthew 17, 20. And before I go any further, pastors say hello. Uh, they wish they were here today, um, but they had stuff they have to deal with too. So let's just remember them. You know, I'm, I'm not sure when they're coming back, but we'll pray that they have a safe trip on the way home after we get done with service. All right, Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You know, that nothing shall be impossible unto to me 
is because of whose I am. It's through Jesus Christ. I, it's not me actually doing it, because then I would get the glory. God wouldn't. Yeah, and if we can go over to 2 Corinthians one twenty. Yeah, so we, and this is another reason why we have the confidence that if we ask God for something that he said we could have, we'll have it. And that says, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen, under the glory of God by us. There's your answer. His answer is yes. That's, there is no no. There's not a maybe. It's yes. So how do we have the faith to stand on? You know, if I'm standing for healing, you know, and I found a scripture in the Bible, and it says, through, you know, by his stripes, I was healed. How do I stand on that? How do I get the faith for it? And if we go over to Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, and it's really just simply standing, speaking. You know, that's, that's really about all there is to it. Yeah, and I know when you're, when you're in the middle of a situation, it, it, it sounds easy, but it's, you do get beat down. The devil does come to attack you and say, it ain't happening. But, you know, if you look around, there's enough people in, in this church alone that have been healed of stuff or have, you know, had funds provided to them to pay bills. You know, there's enough testimonies that you can see that God is actually, that he does do what he says he would do. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. And if you look at that last part of the verse, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it, I will also do it. Uh, and we, as you, know, you can say, well, it's just words. But if we look back at Numbers 23, 19, and you all don't have to turn there, but it, God is not a man that he should lie. And whatever he said would happen will happen. Well, you hear a lot about, you know, we get a hurricane or, you know, a fire. Well, it's, an, it's the act of God, a will of God. It's not. Yeah, and how do we know that? We can go look at Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And we're going to find the answer right away in verse 11. Yes, 29, verses 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. A hurricane or forest fires or fires or car accidents, they're chaos. They cause death and destruction, and we know that Satan is the author of death and destruction. Well, what's it say here? Yes, ma'am, please. 
You know, God says he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil, and it's to give us an expected end. Well, if he's thinking thoughts of peace towards us, why would he be causing the hurricanes and, and all the other stuff? It's just simply not true. So let's move on to, to verse 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So if we go looking for God, we'll find him. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again to the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. So he says he's, if we get ourselves in a bind, he's going to rescue us. Uh, we can go over to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And this is another reason as to why we can believe God will do what he said he would do. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When we got saved, we became, you know, we all, we joined, we meshed. Because of that, we have promises that we can find in here. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, they make you that ye shall neither be, of, be neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as, after we become saved, we get into the Bible, lead, learn about the Lord, talk with Him, you know, have a fellowship, have a relationship with Him. And what'll happen is we'll get all these things added to us: godliness, you know, brotherly kindness, uh, love, and they'll abound in us. And then it goes on to say, and it, they'll, they'll grow as our knowledge of Christ grows. In verse 9, it says, But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now you'll notice there, it says, What? Okay. It says he was purged. This is talking about the unbeliever. So the unbeliever is as righteous as we are. We have just stepped into it and accepted Jesus Christ. But you can go out, and we'll just say somebody out in the lobby that doesn't know the Lord. 
Jesus looks at them the same way. He's saying, come unto me. We've just taken that step. They're in the same position. They're not an old sinner saved by grace. Their sins have been redeemed also. They just don't know it or don't want to acknowledge it. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to, you to make your calling and election sure. And if you do these things, you shall never fall. You might stumble, but God will pick you up. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens here on earth, we know that once we're saved, we're going to heaven. You know, where we may not walk in everything that God has for us here, but we will there. Even though the, the best thing is to walk in it here. So let's look at what's, take a look at what uh, some of God's resolutions or promises are. And we'll go to Psalm 37, 4. I'm sorry, did, are they not on there? Yeah, that's, that's a couple ways away. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. So if you're walking with him, it's his desire to give you the things that you want and need. So we can go look at Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and you shall have them. And look at what he says here. Believe that you receive them. Now it might be that, you know, times could get a little rocky in that believing. You know, Satan's not going to just say, all right, well, they've asked for it. They believe it today, so I'm going to step aside and let them have it. You know, he's going to do what he can to throw you off your game, too. But that's where we need to stand, and we need to do what God does, call, think, call the end from the beginning. And just, you know, Lord, my circumstances don't look like this right now, but this is what you said. This is where I am standing. I'm not moving. I'm, you know, I don't care what comes. This is what I'm believing. This is where I'm going to stay. Uh, John 14, 13. Yeah, and we've got to remember, too, that you know, when we're praying, Jesus said, especially when, um, he went, when Lazarus had died, you know, he made the comment to God. He said, I know you heard me. He said, but I had to say it. Now, if we're in him, if God hears Jesus, he's going to hear us, too. We don't have to worry about that. John 14, 13 says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you know, whatever we ask, God will give it to us. And especially if it lines up with what he says in his word, like for healing, protection, prosperity, you know, whatever it might be. I am the Lord that heals. And we're, now we're going to go to Exodus 15, 26. And this is when he was talking about uh, right after the, the Egyptians uh, and the, the firstborn were killed and all the other stuff happened to them. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought unto the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The diseases shouldn't be on us in the first place. You know, we were born again. We stepped over from this world into heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no hospitals. You know, we should, we should be living in divine health. So nothing hurt, nothing broken, nothing, nothing sick. You know, but it's just that, you know, especially when, you know, you get to be up to my age. I've had glasses since first grade, I think it was, back in the early 70s. So I've had them quite a while. I got a lot of stinking thinking to deal with to get rid of my glasses. But, you know, and that's why it's so much easier for a kid, somebody that hasn't had the years of, you know, putting glasses on every day multiple times, taking them off, whatever. It's easier for them to accept it because they don't have to battle with all the mind games that we do. But that's where getting into God's word every day and spending time with him comes into play because he will rege he'll regenerate your mind and renew your mind to where, Instead of thinking, well, I've got to wear my glasses today, or I've got to do this, I've got to do that, we'll be over here. Lord, I might have to put them on to see right now, but your word says I'm healed. I don't need them anymore. And it doesn't matter whether it's glasses or whatever sickness or disease you're facing. God will deal with that. He's got the name above every name. There is nothing above him. Uh, let's go look at Proverbs 133. And this is where God tells us that he is our protection and our strength. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. No harm's going to come near us, and we'll live in peace. You know, I know there's a lot of people will have uh, alarm systems on their homes and cars and like that. And I'm not knocking them. I, we have one on the van that I turn on when I get out of it. But, you know, when we go to bed at night, it's like, Lord, set your angels around the property. Keep people off of it that don't have any reason to be on it. I don't have to be concerned with, with anybody breaking in the house or breaking into cars. You know, he said he would protect us. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, with everything that's happened just since Friday in this world, we've got a reason. If you wanted to, you could get into a lot of fear. You know, are we going to have a war with Iran? Are we going to have, you know, or whatnot? But this is saying, you know, when this stuff with Iran dies down or, you know, stuff overseas dies down, we'll have a peace, but it's not a lasting peace. This peace that Jesus is talking about here 
It's a lasting peace, a peace that no matter what's going on around us, you know, right here in Richmond or, you know, overseas, we know that God's got it. You know, it's all part of his plan. You know, so we can step over and say, all right, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't like it or whatever, but you've got it. I'm not going to take it from you and try to deal with it. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. And this is about, he's a God of rest. He giveth. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. And this is the verse that, that I was getting to. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Y y this actually would have worked in the, you know, where God says that, you know, he's my strength also. What's an eagle do? It soar just lays its wings out and soars. It doesn't fight the wind. It, it, it flaps its wings only when it has to. You know, when we came in this morning, there were some large birds over the mall, and uh, they were just sailing around, just riding the wind currents. You know, and that's the way we need to be with God. We need to ride his currents. Just step back and say, all right, Lord, you got it. I'm just going to sit here and just, just relax. Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. If we're out trying to do things in our own strength, uh, you know, working multiple jobs, uh, or, you know, just running ourselves ragged, and it's something that, you know, God could deal with. We just need to step back and say, all right, God, I'm not going to do what I've been doing. I'm just do I'm in, I'm in a works mentality. I'm the one that has to rescue me out of this. I'm going to step back, give it to you. I'm, I'm not going to take it back. And Holy Spirit, if I do try to take it back, remind me to give it back. And uh, let God deal with it. We can see what's happening right now. We can see what happened in the past. God sees in the future. So I might be going out, you know, working overtime, doing this, that, working three or four jobs, and God could, he sees what's going to happen two or three months down the road. I can't. You know, it could be the fact that I get so worn out that, you know, my body just gives out, and I end up in the hospital, you know, with, you know, just overworked, you know, and, um, you know, what, whatever would happen with that. Where if I had stepped back, it might have taken that two or three months, maybe a little longer, but God would have dealt with it, and it would have been dealt with correctly. Where me working, you know, running my body ragged, I could be really messing things up. Uh, he's a God of provision. 
And we're going to go and look at Genesis 22, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And this is a story about Abraham and Isaac when they uh, went off to the mountain. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering unto one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And this is one thing that we need to do. If God tells us to do something, we just need to step out and do it. Look at what Abraham did. You know, and people say that Abraham is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. That, uh, you know, if Abraham hadn't been willing to sacrifice his son, you know, I'm sure God would have found somebody else to do it because he knew that Jesus had to, to go through what he went through. But it might have taken him quite a bit longer, and it really had messed up the plans. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham didn't know where he was going. God just told him to go. Told him which direction to head off in and Abraham just followed by faith. Yeah, and just went. And then on the third day, he saw the mountain off in the distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. You'll notice what he says here. He's leaving the, the people that came with him, but he says, Isaac and I are going to go. We're going to worship, but we will come back. So now, you know, they didn't take a, a burnt offering with them except for Isaac. That was what the plan was. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Yeah, I, I would wonder. They say Isaac was a teenager, I believe, at this time, late teens, early 20s, something like that. I would get to wondering quite a few days ago, you know, Dad, you say we're going to go uh, give a burnt offering to the Lord. Where is it? Uh, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? It hadn't registered with him yet that he was it. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. So there Abraham is telling Isaac, God will provide. Just take it easy, son. God will provide. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Hey, this had to take some faith by Isaac, too. You know, I, I don't know, if my dad had, if God had told my dad to do this, I think we would have had a serious discussion. And I would hope I could run faster than he did. Uh, but I don't think I would have stood there and just said, hey. But Isaac knew, had to have known what God's plan was too. 
And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And an angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Don't you think that as they're up there, they're getting everything prepared? If there had been a ram caught in the bush, they would have seen it. They would have heard it. Uh, this is, you know, God's provision. A just-in-time God. Yeah, you know, I had... Uh, when I was a kid, we would go up to my great-grandmother's on Sunday uh, and just have a family get-together. And one of my cousins had somehow, he, he, I think he ran away is what it was. But he was saying, he, and as far as I know, he wasn't a Christian. But he was saying after he came back home that a dog kept bringing him a brown bag of food. So, you know, if God cares enough about my cousin to supply him who as far as I know wasn't a Christian we are in Jesus Christ we are Christians how much more is he going to supply stuff for me for y'all he's going to if he did it for one like we saw he'll do it for everybody it just might take because of the you know obstacles that Satan tries to pitch in the way it might take a little longer but don't give up uh, Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This one I like reading, but my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're reading in the Bible, put your name in places. Say me or my instead of them or those. Make it personal. Romans 8.37. And this is where God is our victory. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Whatever you're dealing with or going through, there's going to be times that it doesn't look like you're a conqueror. But you are. Just remember this verse and keep putting one foot in front of the other and calling, thing, calling the end from the beginning. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in him. We have the victory. No two ways about it. Like I said, it might seem uh, a little tough at times, but one way or the other, we win. Romans 8, 38 through 39. And this is, we're going to talk about how God will be with us always. Okay, sorry. We can go to 37. 
nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I am fully persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. So that pretty much covers everything on earth, doesn't it? And can we go to 39? nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Doesn't matter what you're facing, what the circumstances look like, God is right there with you. It might certainly appear like, you know, he's taking a coffee break or something, but he's right there with you. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So don't go say, man, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Be happy with what you got. Paul said he was happy where he was. God says he won't ever leave us nor forsake us. Even though, boy, there are times it does feel like we're, you know, we're flying solo. God's right there with you. Just remember that, you know, the poem of, uh, or the picture of the footprints in the sand on the beach. You see two sets of, of footprints, and you only see one, and then you see a couple. And when that one set is only there, God says, that's when I was carrying you. He'll never let us down. And probably the most important promise that we get from God is, I am the God of salvation. And that's in Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then over in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you don't know God, make him your Lord and Savior, and then you won't have to be concerned about death. It'll just be a fleeting moment when you're transferring stations from earth to heaven. All right. Yeah, and I know there's a lot more promises in the Bible than what we've looked at today, but all of God's promises are very powerful, and they're just awesome, you know, with what he has given us, what he, that he loved us enough. Even though some of us, you know, Pastor will talk about, you know, when he's out driving, you know, and uh, the way people drive. And I'm the same way. They, it aggravates me. But, you know, the person that cut me off, God loves them as much as he loves me. Yeah, and that's something that God, I, a couple weeks ago I was telling you, I was coming home, coming home from work. And uh, I was crossing over Belt Boulevard on Midlothian Turnpike, and a school bus had stopped. And it was letting kids off and this was there's a trailer park right there and most of the, the inhabitants are, are Hispanic people and uh, the kids come flying off the bus and this is just before Christmas breaks they maybe had one or two days left to school if that 
and the kids come off the bus and they're running around. They're not in traffic. They're off in a parking lot of a business. But they're doing what kids do. They're chasing each other around. Man, we're out of school after eight hours. Now we can run around and do what we want. And one of the little kids walked up behind the car of his, I'm assuming it was his family, and he slapped the hood of the car. And you could see whoever was driving, you could see them, you know, they were shocked by it. And it's like, well, Lord, that was really kind of silly. And he said, you did the same thing. He said, but you know, more than that, I love them the way I love you. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, what your upbringing was, God looks here in your heart. And he, just, he loves you the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to change. And that's we change by getting into his word and having a personal relationship with God. You know, so what I would suggest you do is, like it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen under the glory of God by us. We don't get in the Bible. We don't know what his promises are. You know, we're flying blind. Uh, so I would encourage you, find out what his promises are. And spend time with him. Let him explain to you. Let him explain to you what his take on them are, not what we read into it, because we can really hose things up when we start thinking and reading. And I can guarantee you, if you give God the time, you will not be disappointed. 